More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. On this episode of the Family Business Voice, we're joined by Priyanka Gupta Zelinsky, entrepreneur, author, and the executive director of her family's business, MPI Steel Structures. Priyanka has just written a new book entitled The Ultimate Family Business Survival Guide, which examines the effective characteristics of Indian family businesses, as well as the lessons learned by their next generation and what they mean for enterprises facing unpredictable events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Enjoy this episode with Priyanka. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Family Business Voice. I'm joined here today by Priyanka Gupta-Zelinski, who is a next-gen family business member and also more recently a new author of the book, The Ultimate Family Business Survival Guide. Welcome, Priyanka, to the show. Thank you for having me. So, Priyanka, I think first questions first here. What made you feel that it is time for you to write a book about your experience in your family business? What was the motivator for you to pick up the pen or probably rather open your laptop and and feel that you wanted to write a book? So this is actually a very good question. It goes to the heart of the book. I wrote the book, I opened up my laptop during the hardest times at work. These were days when things were not going right. I was questioning whether I belong in this family business, whether I even know how to go forward. And during those moments of failure, I felt like the only way I could vent to a non-family member was to my laptop. So I would pen down how I was feeling. I would pen down things. And often it would form sort of a narrative where I would write, this happened, then this happened, and then now I'm stuck in this mess. And the more I shared this story with others around me who were also in family business, I felt that our experiences were rather common. There was a lot to share. There was a lot of things we had in common. And we were all struggling um, as young ones entering the family business to work with the founding generation, especially, you know, our parents' generation, if they had founded the business, because they kept it really close to their heart. So in trying to end down my experiences and have an outlet to vent, it kind of took the shape of a book. And you've just published this, but this has been a work that's been in the making for many years. When was it that you joined your family business originally? You were quite young, weren't you? Yes, I joined my family business right after my postgraduate study. And officially, I joined in 2008. But I had already started shuttling from New York to Bombay uh, six months prior to graduating to help work in the family business. What we have here in front of us is a a work that really comprises near over a decade of reflections and experiences, plus, of course, the many case studies that you've included from other family business next-gen members in India and how they've handled the complexities of their family enterprises. But tell us a little bit more about what were sort of like the biggest difficulties that you came across, like 
around the time that you joined the family enterprise and as you further went on in your career in the family business? That's a very good question, Ramya. When I joined the family business, our legacy business was running smoothly. That was the business that my father had run for already 20 years by then. When I joined the family business, my father had started a new division in our family business, a manufacturing wing. So it was entirely like a startup feel at work. So we were in a startup, we were in a small business setting, and we were facing a lot of internal challenges because we were not correctly equipped and lots of external challenges from the steel industry in India, which was also trying to figure itself out in the larger scheme of things because lots of technological changes were happening in the country, in construction, and how steel was being used. I felt that every day we were making things happen on the go. The problems were unprecedented and the solutions were unprecedented. And it was exhausting to not have any formal support system. And made worse by complete lack of honest discussion among the family members. You know, you would think that at least we would all be on the same page. But that proved to be very challenging uh, just to get us all to agree on even simple things like what should we do now? How should we problem solve? Mm. And like most small to medium-sized family businesses in India, we had challenges of cash and liquidity. Access to capital was very expensive. The cost of capital is very high in India. So the issue of scaling, scalability becomes a big challenge. Mm -hmm. And in an industry like steel and manufacturing, unless you scale to a certain size, a certain level of production, it's very difficult to even meet day-to-day -day operational expenses. So the stress is immense and you're basically thrown in and you feel you know, before you join in, you feel like you know all parts of the business because you have heard about the business every single day of your life. So you feel like nobody is better equipped to join this business than you because every day you know about the business, you've heard about the clients, you've met the clients, you've met the suppliers, you've been to the factory. So you feel like you are ready. Mm -hmm. And the realization that you are not ready hits hard. And on the several occasions when you fail, it's very difficult to pick yourself up. And then you also feel like the surrounding community is not appreciating what you're doing because there are so many negative stereotypes around family businesses, mm -hmm. especially in India. So if we take a decision to do a certain cost-saving activity, people will immediately label it as, oh, family businesses are too frugal. Mm -hmm. You know, they're penny-wise pound foolish. They are mm -hmm. not spending money. But they don't understand our challenges. We are cash-strapped. You know, we are working against a very limited set of resources. Mm -hmm. So the negative stereotypes were also a big challenge. And I realized that, you know, the impact was so negative that many around me were even deterred. They did not want to join the family business. Mm -hmm. they much rather go work for a corporate outside because that seemed like more agreeable, more fashionable thing to do. So in those times, I was facing all these challenges. I started to pen them down. And that is why even in the book, I start with that. I start with why we need to reclaim family businesses and why we need to turn these negative stereotypes on their head so we can at least level the plane tree. You know, we can at least clear the path to have an honest discussion about now, how do we take them forward? 
And I think you're mentioning something which is lacking. And I think that for the next gen to be allowed to enter with a more realistic idea of what kind of challenges are waiting on the other side without it being a deterrent necessarily, right? Like, I think that's what's really missing. And I think like what you've done here in the book is to describe very clearly what are the typical pitfalls from both perspectives. Now, I think though, before we talk a little bit more about the tools that you provide in the book to help uh, next gens sort of like navigate those choppy waters of being part of the family business. So you obviously stayed in the family business. You're still there. You're, you're like an executive in the company. You guys are doing really well. But like time and time again, you face the challenge of feeling that, you know, it might not be for you. What is it that ultimately made you stay every single time? It's an easy answer for me, Ramya. What made me stay was my father's conviction. Hmm. Every time I made a mistake at work, every time I screwed up, every time I failed, the amount of work my father had to do to not just clean up my mess, but to then you know take the business that much forward, it was inspiring. It took me a good part of a decade to appreciate his style and to give in and to embrace it fully. But the conviction he has, the single-minded focus and his capacity was the reason I stayed every single time. And when I realized that I need to start giving and trusting him more, we all did better. Mm. Let's talk about being able to accept that kind of input from a parent, though, in the workplace or from the older generation. We have to be frank here about the, the cultural context that uh, Indian next gens operate under. Like there's, there's a lot of pressures, not only from a business side, but the family pressures are enormous. It's a beautiful culture, of course, but it's also a culture that demands a lot of its young people. But I think in this context, like there's so many different things that contribute to that relationship with your parent or with the older generation. Adding a business to it seems to just increase that complexity. So how much of the conflict within family businesses in India that you see around you, do you feel hail more from there being that enormous familial and cultural pressure as well on the next gen, as opposed to just the pressure to perform as an employee of the business or the pressure to perform as an owner? So Ramya, I think I see three different factors that create immense pressure. One stream of pressure is coming from the generation above you mm -hmm. because they have expectations and you know that they are building this business with a long-term mindset to bring you in, to bring your children in. So that is building pressure. The second pressure is coming of all kinds of cultural connotations from the community in which you are operating as a family and as a family business. Mm. So these are your suppliers, your clients, your relatives. There are no limits. Everybody has a judgment on your cultural and socioeconomic positioning, you know especially for women entering the business. The third pressure is coming from within you. You have set yourself up to join this business. You know, most of us have had um, access to tremendous education and skill building tools. So we come in and we are also creating a lot of pressure on ourselves to make everybody around us proud. Mm -hmm. So it is a recipe for a disaster in some ways because we've got so many different people now operating in one place 
everybody has their own agenda everybody has their own expectation and everybody is processing the simplest decision at work through multiple lens mm. so you might think this is a simple a to b decision but people are thinking about what if she gets married and she leaves who is going to execute my project mm. bankers are thinking if she is not here who is going to be responsible for this loan Mm. so the whole community is judging you you know so it is just a recipe for a lot of conflict that is coming from these multiple forces around us so you've done case studies in the book about friends of yours basically and they have made their careers in the family business did they have these moments of epiphany somewhere in the middle like the one that you described for yourself what kind of characteristics do they share that they were able to make it work Ramya the businesses i talk about in the book a uh, few of them are people i know well and others are uh family businesses who generously opened themselves up to have honest discussions with me for uh, the purpose of the book and they vary it, there is a big variety of them so it's hard to put them in these categories because they all had such unique journeys and such unique ways of coming to solutions and some of them were not able to come to any solution and you know either the business was uh disintegrated or the family member was you know moved out so it's it shows a really wide range of what worked and what didn't work some of the success stories came when the two or three different generations were able to find common ground mm. through internal discussions or by bringing in an external consultant sometimes or adding a, a independent board member sometimes and the discussions that really channeled into success were when the next generation was able to add technology was able to streamline something by just improving small small aspects of the business that was the greatest value addition and i think a lot of um, credit has to be given to the founding generation or the generation above us also in the business in the way they have had the backs of the next gens and so with regards to what you've just mentioned here i know that you've based the book on your personal experience on the case studies of the families you've just described but you've also brought in a lot of traditional indian wisdom into the book and So it's really interesting for me to try to understand. I would love for you to explain why you as a next gen, a millennial, someone who's like, you know, definitely driven by like everything that's tech, etc. Why did you draw from the ancient wisdom at the same time in the book? Thank you for asking that question, Ramya, because the answer to that question is very close to my heart. My father comes from a North Indian state, Haryana, and Haryanvi is a dialect of Hindi, so slightly different than Hindi, but much harsher than hindi so even if somebody is speaking haryanvi casually and politely it sounds like they're in a massive fight so it's a very aggressive language and haryanvi has these great idioms and jokes and mm. adages that my father would always use at work and however tense the situation was it would diffuse that situation mm. and these became our go to mantra so in our family we would throw them around every time you know mm-hmm. and some of one of them translates to mean if you owe the bank 100 dollars it's 
you know, your problem. But if you owe the bank $10 million, it's really the bank's problem. So, you know, it's just a way to lighten the situation. Yeah. And that is why these Haryanvi adages I wanted to put out. I started out by listing them down and writing them simply for the purpose of making sure that my children have access to this. Mm -hmm. Because if I document them, then it'll be a file that my children can read. It can be something that I can continue on because they're these adages are not written down anywhere. You know, they're being passed down. My grandfather used them. My father uses them. And when I started the list of these adages and started to explain them, you will be surprised. I came up with 60, 60 Haryanvi quotes, all about dealing with risk, failure, you know, survival, and picking yourself again and making sure that you're ready to do it better next time. So really amazing sources of empowerment. Mm -hmm. And when I started to write the book, I wanted to bring that to people. I wanted people to not just look at what their parents are doing in a new light and appreciate that. But I also wanted Indians to look at all the great knowledge we have and wisdom we have just around us. Mm -hmm. The current context in which we're having this conversation is um, a very unpleasant one for, for India in particular and the family businesses operating there. You offered very specific tools, like I could also call them coping mechanisms maybe for, you know, next gens that are in the family business or even those that are about to join. Which one of those tools do you feel these family business members could now use or prioritize to their advantage? Like what should they be focusing on? So there are five tools and I think all five tools are going to be very, very important coping mechanisms. But for the purpose of our conversation, I want to highlight the flashlight. The flashlight tool, the metaphor flashlight is particularly relevant now with all the grief and the sadness and the tremendous responsibility that lies ahead for family businesses in India, because the recovery of our country is going to be on the backs of family businesses. They're going to be the frontliners leading all economic change from here on. And the flashlight tool, it has four different coping mechanisms for us. One of them is to introspect deeply, to look deeply. And to really, really understand the great shift that is coming, you know, in the way consumption will happen, in the way people will buy or consumers will behave, you know, there's going to be a big disruption in that. It might move online, it might be digitized, you know. So we have to understand, we have to look towards data to understand how deeply we can research and then plan our next steps. So the flashlight is going to help us with that. And one more thing that the flashlight reminds us of to help us keep in mind is the South African belief in Ubuntu, in humanity. Because more than anything right now in India, people are helping people. The random stranger is standing in the hospital and making sure that they're looking after your family member while you run out and get an errand. So we have to remember that Anything we do forward, like it has to be for the betterment of society. It can be for our immediate community. It can be nationwide. But we have to keep people at the center, at absolute focus of all the products 
all the services we design and any changes we bring to our business. And, you know, the empathy, the, the level of empathy that we have developed because of this pandemic is going to help us make some really good decisions, I think. Great tasks ahead for the next generation of family businesses in India, and uh, but also a wonderful outlook in terms of how they will be able to contribute to uh, recovery when the time comes. Thank you so much, Priyanka, for joining us on the Family Business Voice and talking about your book, The Ultimate Family Business Survival Guide. The link is below this podcast for anyone who wants to go check it out. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Ramia. Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.